Good morning, everybody, and happy Mother's Day to our moms. Come on, we honor our moms. Thank you for being here. Uh, we just we celebrate uh, all of our moms. We're so glad you're here, all of you. Um, isn't it an interesting time? We're seven weeks into this quarantine, and um, you know everybody's talking about now quarantine fatigue. It's just another way of saying quarantine boredom. You know, and we're all looking for ways to, to entertain ourselves. Uh, you know, one of the jokes going on right now is, uh, is uh, that, you know, you're going to watch so, so much Netflix that you're going to get to a screen that says, you've reached the end of Netflix. You know, and people are like, dude, I was like, I finished Netflix. Oh, man, you won't believe this. I just finished Hulu. What am I going to do now? Uh, I, I see a little bit of quarantine fatigue in my neighborhood. Got a couple of neighbors and uh, they're retired, semi-retired. And, and uh, every time the sun comes out. These guys are out mowing their lawn two or three times a week. They're mowing their lawn. I'm like, I don't even think the grass grows that fast. But these guys are just looking for every opportunity to get out of their house. You know, it was, uh, it was crazy. Um, I saw my wife do something I've never seen her do just a couple of weeks ago. You know, 20 years of marriage, six years being a mom. She has never cooked homemade brownies from scratch from a box yeah but from scratch never not even a chance she hasn't even thought about it and a couple of weeks ago she began making brownies from scratch i was like right then i knew something was up because that's not what she normally does i just think right now as we're going through this season we're having these experiences and these moments of boredom And isn't it interesting that one of the objections of the Christian faith is that Christianity is boring. Church is boring. God is boring. Religion is boring. Maybe you had that experience. Maybe you grew up in church and you don't go to church today simply because you have this perspective that religion is boring. And Barna, again, shared some statistics last week. You know, Barna Research Group, they've been trying to figure out why young people are leaving our churches. And they did this study, and um, very simply, a third of those surveyed said, church is boring. A quarter of them said, faith is irrelevant to my life. Guys, is that true? Is church boring? Is Christianity boring? It's a question we're asking today. We've been going through the, the Sermon on the Mount here at Hope. We're in a series called kingdom living. Last week, we asked the question, why are Christians so mean? And we talked about Christian judgmentalism and some of the insensitivity we see. We saw what Jesus had to say about that. This week, we're asking a similar question. Why are Christians so bored? It's one of the objections to the Christian faith. But as I think of those of you who are watching, I know you're not here today because you're bored. You're not watching online because you are stuck at home, quarantined, and you have run out of Netflix show. You've reached the end of Netflix. I don't believe that at all. I'm not here today being a pastor because I couldn't find anything better to do with my life. No, we are here today, not because we're bored. We're here today because Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead, and there's nothing more exciting or life-changing than following him. If you're here today and you're saying... I don't want to be a Christian because Christianity is boring. I just want to say you haven't met Jesus. 
Because if you know anything about Jesus, the people who thought that religion was irrelevant found Jesus most irresistible. So my question today is, what is so exciting about following Jesus? I just want to show you two things. Number one, a God who answers prayer. And number two, a love that changes lives. Check it out. Let's open up the Bible this morning. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. This is the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the... And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, (laughs) know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Some of you are here today watching online and you need this message. Maybe you're not a Christian. You're just wondering today, what's the point? Is God real? Would giving my life to Jesus change my life? God has a message for you. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian. And honestly, truth be told, you're a little bit bored with God. Scripture says it's having a form of religion, but denying its power. Scale of one to ten right now. What's your passion for God? See, God wants to do a work in our hearts today. He wants to meet every one of us right where we're at. So let's pray. We'll dive in. What's so exciting about following Jesus? God, thanks for today. Thank you for all who are watching and the power of your word and the, the promises that you've made. And I just pray today. That as Jesus speaks to us through the Sermon on the Mount, that we would be inspired to give our lives fully to you. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, just a couple of points today we want to look at. What's exciting about following Jesus, or or the way I want to ask it is, is just this way. Why isn't God boring? Why isn't God boring? And number one is our God answers prayers. And seeing your prayers answered never gets old. Guys, when you look at Jesus, when we're looking at Jesus, and you look at the life of Jesus, you will see the centrality of prayer. Jesus was a man of prayer. And scripture says that Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often did that. Jesus taught us how to pray. He modeled prayer. And he modeled a prayerful dependence upon God. But not only that, it's no surprise then that prayer is central in the Sermon on the Mount. And the exact middle verse in Matthew chapters 5 through 7, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is basically saying, this is how you pray. And he takes us to the secret place. He takes us to the inner room where we can develop this relationship with God. And and he teaches us how to pray. He teaches us the Lord's Prayer. And, and he says, pray in secret. This is where the reward is. And he says this powerful truth that the Father knows what you need. He knows what you need even before you ask. And Jesus continues on in the Sermon on the Mount. He begins to address worry. 
And how many of us have things even today, even right now, that we're worried about? What Jesus begins to show us is that prayer is the antidote to our worry. In the passage we just read, Jesus said, seek and you will find. It echoes what Jesus says in the passage on worry where Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Do not worry. And so today, here in Matthew 7, verse 7 through 12, Jesus brings up the topic of prayer again. He is doubling down on prayer. And if you're here today and you have a relationship with God, you can get excited because our God answers prayer. Do you believe that? Because Jesus did. And before he wraps up this message, he wants there to be no question in your mind of the Father's readiness and willingness to answer our prayers. And he's going to hit that on two levels. He's going to talk about the promises of God. And he's going to talk about, number two, the goodness of the Father. See, we can get excited about prayer. Number one, because of the promises of God. Jesus promises in this passage answers to prayer like he does in so many places. Listen to this passage again. Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And isn't it interesting? Jesus makes it doubly sure by repeating it over again. And he says, for everyone who asks, receive. Here he goes. He's repeating himself. The one who seeks, finds. To the one who knocks, the door will be opened. There is a certainty to the promise of answered prayer here. This um, is what Jesus has said so many times in so many ways. You might write down Mark eleven twenty four. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received it and it will be yours. How do you believe that today? Or how about John 16, 24? Ask and you'll receive. Very simply, ask and you'll receive that your joy may be full. See, for Jesus, there seems to be no limit to the possibilities of prayer. Ask, seek, knock. Jesus is saying, don't give up. There's an expectation of prayer that um, when the more you ask, the more you receive. The more you seek, the more you begin to find. The more you knock, the more the door of endless possibilities begins to open up for your life. So can we get a little bit excited about prayer because of the amazing, limitless, bottomless promises of God? How about this? <coughs> Jesus goes on. We can get excited about prayer because of the promises of God, but more importantly, because of the goodness of the Father. And our Father is willing and ready to hear and to answer the prayers of His children. It is a promise that comes because of a relationship that we have with a heavenly Father who loves to give good gifts to His children. Jesus gives a great illustration, Matthew 7, 9. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake. Jesus is like, God's not going to play a prank on you. I love that. You ask for bread, he's not going to throw you a rock. You ask for a fish, he's not going to toss you a snake. That's not our Father. See, the Father loves to give good gifts to his children when they ask. Jesus goes on, he says, If you then, though you're evil, <laughs> says something about us, if you then, though you are evil, and notice Jesus doesn't include himself in that, very interesting, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? 
See, God loves to give good gifts to those who ask. And if, if you don't ask, I'm sorry, if you ask, God certainly can say no. But if you don't ask, you don't give God the opportunity to say yes. So I just want to ask you a question today. What do you need? What are you praying for? I've been using this uh, quarantine, this time to um, really focus on my prayer life. I've been using this time alone as time alone with God, developing this life of prayer. And one of the first things that struck me and that God was pointing this out was just was praying these big, vague prayers. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that. But but if you ask me, Brian, what are you praying for? I said nothing in particular. Well, that's what I get. And that's what we get. When we pray like that, and that's what was happening in my prayer life. So God asked a powerful question. As I was praying, God said, Brian, what do you need? What do you need? Be specific. Write it down. And it's changed my prayer life. Because I'm now praying into some specific things. And I'm already seeing God answer specific prayers. Let me just give you an example. My wife teaches English online to Chinese students. And uh, um, when you hit 45 classes a month, you make an extra dollar per class. That's a big deal. 45, when you hit that 45th class, that's a $45 class. Because you're making a dollar more for each class. We're at the end of the month. And Angie came you know, to our family. She's like, guys, you've got to pray. It's the end of the month. I don't have any bookings. And uh, I just need one more class for 45 classes. She didn't see it coming at all. And uh, I told her, I said... I'll be, I'm, I'll be, I'm going to begin to pray specifically that God will give you three more classes. And I asked Lydia, I said, Lydia, what are you praying for? She said, I'm praying for a hundred more classes. And uh, I was like, wow, a hundred classes. Like that's pretty much going to keep Angie busy 24 seven. And uh, like, thank God, you know, he didn't answer that prayer. And uh, how many of us here today sometimes have figured out that uh, God's rejection um, is actually a sign of God's protection. You get through something, it was painful, but you look back and you're just like, God, thank you so much that you didn't answer that prayer. Well, you know, 100 classes, that's that prayer. But I, I began to pray specifically for three more classes and God answered that prayer. She got exactly three more classes. Uh, I, I was telling um, Colleen Davis about that and I was just telling her the story and I was getting excited and she told me, the coolest thing that she does. She said, I have an answered prayer jar. She said, every time God answers one of my prayers, I write it down and I put it in the jar. And I see that jar filling up. And no matter what's going on in my life, I know that God is good. I know the goodness of God. I know he's a God that answers prayers. Guys, that's our God. Believe it. Receive it. Can we get excited about prayer today? Now, I just want to ask you two questions. Number one, as you go to pray, number one question is, what do you need? And begin to pray into that. And then question number two, what is God saying about what you need? And that's just as important. What's God showing you as you begin to pray into that? Two very important questions. But this leads to another important question. What about unanswered prayer? What about the sickness that hasn't been healed yet? What about that relationship that's still broken? What about that temptation that 
and didn't go away overnight. See, I wouldn't have a problem with unanswered prayer, but it's because God does answer prayer. It's because miracles do happen. That's why this is such a difficult question for so many of us today. And don't you think Jesus knows that? Why do you think he's over the top in encouraging us to pray? He's saying, don't give up. Don't give up. See, prayer always brings God into the story. Prayer always brings divine solutions and divine strengthening to the difficulties of life. Just because there is a denial doesn't mean it's not going to happen. A delay doesn't mean you're not going to make it. Sometimes delays and denials are just detours for God to bring you to your destiny. So don't give up. God's committed himself to answer our prayers. Fill up the jar, fill up the jar, fill up the jar. Believe it. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. So if you think God is boring today, I just want to challenge you to pray and to begin to see what God will do in your life. God's not boring. He is a God who answers prayers. It's awesome. Number two, why else is God not boring? Why else is God not boring? He answers prayers. Number two, love changes lives. His love changes lives. Check out what Jesus says next. Matthew 7, 12. So in everything, Jesus says, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. And I think most of us grew up hearing this. Do unto others what you would have them do unto you. What is that, guys? That's the golden rule, right? It's one of the most famous things Jesus ever said. And uh, you know, some have called it the Mount Everest of ethics. You, know, you master this. You've scaled the heights. One verse, Jesus says, fulfills the law and the prophets. It sums up everything that's required of us. And that's powerful stuff. Now, a lot of people have said, and some people have said, that Jesus didn't invent the golden rule. And, um, you know, they say you can find it in every religion and culture around the world. And, and in some ways, that's true. I just want to give you some examples. Uh, We find it in Greek teaching. Uh, Socrates, a Greek philosopher who lived 500 years before Jesus, he taught it this way. Do not do to others that which angers you when they do it to you. If it angers you when people tail you when you're driving on the road, as Socrates would say, if that angers you, don't do it to other people. About the same time in China, Confucius was teaching something similar to his disciples. Um, One of them, a man named... Su Kung, that's tough to pronounce, famously asked Confucius, Confucius, is there one word that may serve as a rule of practice for all of one's life? Very good question, right? Is there one word which could serve as a rule of practice for all one's life? And Confucius said, what you do not want done to yourself, do not do to others. There's another great story, uh, one of the great rabbis, um, a guy named a Jewish rabbi named Hillel, um, he lived in the century right before Jesus. Um, there's, there's a story that goes, a man came to Hillel and, and he said, I'll convert to the Jewish faith if you can sum up the entire Torah, get this, while I stand on one foot. I'm standing on one foot right now. And uh, Hillel like, was completely unfazed and he did this. He said, what's hateful to you, do not do to others. Um, all the rest is commentary. Go and learn. Isn't that interesting? 
No matter where you go, no matter what culture you look at, no matter what religion you study, we find statements like this. There seems to be a rule that runs like a thread through all of human history, through all human cultures. And you just go, how is that? How is it that humanity has this common sense of right and wrong? Is that just the luck of evolution? Or could it be that a moral law points us to a moral law giver? This is, this is a clue to the existence of God. But let me ask you, do you see something common, something the same about all of those examples? What do they have in common? Isn't it interesting? They're all in the negative, aren't they? Do not do to others what you do not want them to do to you. It's a do not rule. It's the leave people alone rule. Don't hate, don't judge, don't hurt. It's common sense. But what it doesn't do is to ask us to do something positive for other people. This is very interesting. Outside of Jesus, the rule is almost always stated in the negative. Isn't that interesting? Outside of Jesus, it's almost always stated in the negative. And that's why it's called the silver rule. And the silver rule is everywhere. But for the golden rule, guys, we need Jesus. Because Jesus puts it in the positive. He says, treat others the way that you want to be treated. Do you hear the power of that? It's called the golden rule because it's precious like gold itself. Guys, today's Mother's Day. And uh, we got a lot of moms Moms, what is one of the most important things you can teach your children? It's the golden rule, right? I heard a great story. There was a mom, and she was trying to teach her preschool daughter the golden rule. And uh, she was working very hard. Her daughter, Kate, she's in preschool. And um, she was explaining to her the golden rule. And uh, one day, she thought, out of the blue, I'm going to quiz my daughter to see if she remembers the golden rule. So she said, Kate, could you remember the golden rule? And uh, exasperated, her daughter looked at her and said, I know, I know, you're the mommy. (laughs) That is a great answer, but it's not quite the golden rule, is it? Guys, do our children know the golden rule? (laughs) Or how about this? Do we as adults know the golden rule? You know what I love about the golden rule? The golden rule puts us in a place of empathy. To experience empathy, we have to connect ourselves with the experience of another person. That's what the golden rule is doing. We have to ask questions like, what would I like if that was happening to me? Gosh, I really appreciate it when people are kind to me. Okay, then, be kind to others. Uh, Maybe... um, You know, maybe you're saying, um, if I were in that position, I'd want somebody to be honest with me. Okay, be honest with another person. You see somebody hurting and you say, you know what, if I were hurting like that, I'd want somebody to help me. Okay, then reach out and help that person. Maybe you're getting ready to send an email. And you go, hold on, hold on. Is that an email I would want sent to me? That's how practical this is. Imagine yourself in somebody else's shoes in your mom's shoes, in your child's shoes. Imagine yourself in your boss's shoes. And then that's empathy. And then treat people the way that you would want to be treated. See, this is so powerful, guys, this golden rule, because love changes lives. And if we'll begin to live out the golden rule, it will change our parenting. 
It'll change our marriage. It'll change um, our workplaces. Um, See, God is not boring because of this, because of love. Isn't this what God has done for us? God entered the shoes of sinful humanity. He paid the price on a cross for our forgiveness. He willingly died so that we could find life in him. That's what God did for us. He paid the ultimate price. He did the ultimate act of empathy and love. And one of the most transforming things you can do right now today is to simply to receive God's free gift of love. See, you cannot give what you do not have. So I want to invite you today, right where you're at, Father loves you. There are many good gifts the Father wants to give it to you. Would you open up your heart and receive the love of the Father? See, the way we love, the way we pray and keep on praying is by understanding the goodness of the Father and his astonishing love for us. And that never gets boring. We have a God who answers prayers. Love that changes lives. And I can't hear that enough. I can't see that enough. Guys, this never gets old. So I just want to challenge and encourage you today. Our God answers prayers. His love changes lives. And we can begin to show that love to the world around us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for answers to prayer. And I just pray that whatever we're going through, God, I ask that we would not give up. I pray that we would press into the love of our Heavenly Father who gives good gifts to those who ask Him. Pray for those who don't have a relationship with God. Maybe today, for the very first time, you want to receive the Father's love. It's one of His good gifts. So you can invite Him right now into your story. God, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for rising from the dead. I ask that you would forgive me for my sins. Thank you for giving your life for me. I give you my life today. God, thank you for coming in and entering our story, whatever we're going through, for hearing our prayers, for answering them in the ways that only you can. You are good. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.